This is Identity at the Center. If it has anything to do with IAM, this is the go-to podcast. So if you're a beginner or an expert or anyone in between, you've found your new home. Welcome to Identity at the Center. Now your hosts, Jim McDonald and Jeff Stedman. Welcome to the Identity at the Center podcast. I'm Jeff, and this is my co-host, Andy. Hi, Andy. Hi, Jeff. I seem to have been upgraded to co-host. That's rather exciting. <laughs> yeah, we have a guest spot for you today. Jim is on assignment, as we like to say in the business. So um, we're fortunate to have you back here. Welcome back to the show, Andy. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be on. So people who aren't familiar with Andy Hindle, he is the Identiverse Conference Chair. He's also a board member with Kantara Initiative, board member with ID Pro, and also people may not know this, a real live identity and access management consulting by way of Hindle Consulting, who's joining us all the way from England. So thank you so much for being part of this uh, conversation today. No, that's a pleasure. And if you listen carefully, you can tell that I'm a long way away, right? That's the miracle of modern audio. (laughs) It is crazy. Um, So you're coming from England and I'm going to be in London in June to watch the Cubs play the Cardinals and to go to a pink concert. I'm not much of a baseball fan. I'm not much of a pink fan, but I'm going for the story and as a makeup for my trip, which was cut off or canceled really from the pandemic back in 2020. Um, I'm going to be staying downtown. I don't know if that's what London calls it, but I'll be in London city proper. I think we're going to try to get together hopefully for tea or dinner or something. Tea. Where should we go? Tea. Where should you go? Wow. Well, there's lots and lots of stuff to see, right? Um, Have you been to to the tea before? So if we're going no, I uh no, I've been to Heathrow and then I've been to Framingham and Windsor, and that's it. <laughs> All the best places. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so look, if you if you wanted to do kind of the quintessential, you know, English high tea experience, which always makes me laugh because literally nobody does that. Um, but if you did want to do it, I would suggest, you know, there are some there are some super famous places to go, right? There's the Ritz, I guess, which is classic. Um there's Claridge's, which is classic. So uh, there are definitely some options, and yeah, if you're uh, if you're around, let me know what dates, and we'll uh, we'll try and get together and do something. It'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to Identiverse, which is coming up, and that's really kind of the reason that we're having this conversation today. Um, I guess for those who aren't familiar with Identiverse, what is it? What is it? That's a good question. Is this um, like a metaverse? You know, uh, are we in the VR? Or what's going on here? So, um, you know, Identiverse has been around now for about 14 years, I guess, this year. Um, started out as a conference focused specifically on cloud identity. In fact, it used to be called Cloud Identity Summit. Um, and then it grew over the years. Um, and we realized, I want to say like five, six years ago, um, that it was it was more than just cloud identity, right? And so we, we renamed the thing to Identiverse. Um, and and so that's that's what it is, right? It's an annual conference uh, and trade show. So so we've got a big show floor as well, and lots of sponsors um, that really focuses on digital identity in its broadest sense. And so we've got lots of material that's aimed at you know your your technical digital identity professional rights, authorization, authentication, provisioning. Uh, user lifecycle, IGA, like all of those wonderful things. Um, we evidently touch on 
um, the, the two sort of big adjacent industries. And so that would be cybersecurity, where there's some overlap, uh, and uh, privacy, right, where there's some, some evident intersection as well. Um, and everyone, I suspect, is familiar with several iterations of what I think was originally Eve Mailer's uh, quote-unquote Venn diagram that kind of shows those, those three things together, right, identity, security, and privacy. Um, or privacy, uh, for those of you that like the English pronunciation uh, from the English roots. Um, and then what we started to do uh, a, a little bit over the last couple of years, and, and which I think will be an increasing trend as an addition to that material, so not replacing it or changing it, but just adding uh, along the side of it, is some slightly more business-focused material, right? So one of the one of the questions that comes up a lot is, you know, look, I'm running an identity project in a large business. It's really hard to get budget. It's really hard to get funding. It's really hard to defend the size of the team that I need. It's really hard to get the investment in professional development that I need. Like, why is that? And in my view, and I think other people share this perspective, uh, part of the problem at least is that helping the business understand what the value to the business is is a little tricky. And it quite often has come down to how do I protect things, right? And so, and yet we all know in the identity industry that it's about a lot more than that. In a lot of cases, it's about how do I make this project happen? How do I make the experience for customers better? How do I protect my customers better, which is a value add to the customer, right? Whether that's a consumer or, you know, part of my supply chain or whatever it might be. Um, that is starting to change. And so I think there's a role for Identiverse to play beyond just that sort of core material uh, that that we've had for a long time in in helping the business side of of the the equation to kind of understand what it is that we do and why that's important to them. Um, and for me, I think that starts with helping digital identity professionals explain what it is that we do. Uh, you know, um, and then over time, hopefully, starting to get some more of the business owners project managers, project leads, you know, digital identity, uh, sorry, digital transformation directors, those kinds of folks um, to come along and, and kind of get a real understanding of, okay, this is how this helps, you know, fundamentally drive the business forward. I love that idea because I think this is an area that a lot of identity folks really need help with is articulating to non-identity people what the hell do we do, <laughs> right? Why is it important? Um, you know, why does it cost so much money? Why do we need so many people to do this identity thing and to do it yeah. right? And I'm happy to see that. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. You know, it's something we've touched on on and off over the years at the conference, um, and it's absolutely becoming a a bigger challenge. It's actually very very similar to what happened, I think, in in the cybersecurity industry a while back. Um, you know, it took a little time, but, you know, eventually cybersecurity became a thing that had a seat at the, you know, at, at the sea level. Um, and it's a topic that gets talked about in boardrooms, um, you know, at that level as well. Privacy over the last few years has been through that very much that same journey, um, mostly not entirely, but mostly probably driven by some of the regulatory landscape changes. But again, you know, you look at the way that Apple approaches privacy and, and, they're the standard example, but there are absolutely others. And it's becoming 
uh, a, a USP, right? It's, it's a proposition to the customer to say, look, we look after your data. Now, I don't want to get into a conversation about whether that's true or not, right? But from a pure sales perspective, and for those of you who aren't watching, as it were, uh, Jeff is laughing hysterically in the background when I said that. But, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's clearly become a thing that certain companies choose to kind of compete around. And so I think, you know, we're probably at the beginning of that journey for identity. Um, and in fact, one of the things that we've got at Identiverse is uh, a, a friend and colleague of mine, and I know he's been on the show a few times, more than a few times, I think, Jeff, uh, Ian Glazer is going to do a panel with a couple of other folks to talk exactly about, hey, is it time that we had a C-level role that that identity kind of rolls up to? And there are pros and cons to that to that argument, right? But I think having the conversation is, you know, the fact that we're even even a point of having the conversation says an awful lot about, you know, kind of where the industry is today and where it needs to get to tomorrow. Yeah. Ian's awesome. He's a, such a good speaker. I'm, I'm interested to see this concept of this C level executive level identity person. I think the most important thing that we need to do around this is to make sure that it's branded appropriately. What do we call it? <laughs> right. Is it, chief digital identity officer can we have like a cool nickname like cdo like c3po like that's the most important thing that we've got to really solve it doesn't matter what they do as long as the name is cool is the way i feel <laughs> yes it's just occurring to me that if you drop the officer off and you just make it chief identity then you have sid um, sid and so <laughs> it's important we've got to have we've got to have good branding here and yeah. You know, I think the other thing too is so the conference begins May 30th. And, you know, Andy, you've been really a great friend for the show. You're the reason we have a discount code for people to, you know, who are listening to this to be able to get a discount to go. So for those who aren't familiar, right, we've got a 20% discount code off your Identiverse reg reg uh, registration. Easy for me to say. The code will be in our show notes, but I'll say it here as well IDV ICEN23. It gets you 20% off. We've got the early bird is still going on until I believe April 27th. So there's just a little bit of time left. If you want to take advantage of the last early bird discount. Uh, but hopefully people can combine that with our discount code. But seriously, man, thank you so much for, you know, helping us get that in place for our listeners. Hopefully we've got, you know, uh, some people who will be able to take advantage of it and be able to, to attend in, uh, in Vegas with us. Yeah, no, it's, it's a real pleasure. And look, I, you know, I, I, I'm obviously biased, right? Like I've been involved with the show. It's not my show. Uh, obviously, Andre Durand at Ping founded it years ago and then CRA took it over uh, just before the show last year. But I've been involved with it for a long time. Um, like I say, I'm evidently biased, but um, I really think that people get an awful lot out of it from a professional standpoint. Um, and so, you know, anything that I can do to help that sort of professional development journey um, I'm, I'm happy to do, right? Like I've, I've gotten a lot out of the industry and so to the extent that I can help put stuff back, uh, I'm, I'm delighted to do it. So it's very cool. And so I booked my flight a couple of days ago. I'll be there. The show will be there. We're planning on doing some recording. I think we're already starting to line up maybe some guests. So there's some, some interesting things that we're working on. Not, I don't think we're quite ready to get it out there in the public yet, but some ideas we've got, we'll see what comes through. Um, you mentioned the new ownership, CRA. I was not able to attend last year. I was in the middle of a move sort of across the country, kind of, sort of. And I think Jim was in the same, <laughs> the same boat. So I guess, are there any noticeable differences between the new ownership CRA versus 
ping when it came to the conference before, because one of the things that I think I always felt about this conference was one, it's a great conference. Definitely one of the ones you should be attending if you're in a Denny space. But I also felt like when it was owned by ping, they did a really good job of being really inclusive for a lot of identity talk competitors, you know, vendors. It wasn't sure it was a ping conference, but it didn't feel like I was going to a ping conference. It felt like I was going to an identity conference. Has there been any noticeable differences or what should I expect as my first time going to a CRA run Identiverse compared to the last one that I was probably at a couple of years ago? Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question, Jeff. And it reminds me, uh, I think we talked about this, uh, you know, a, a few podcast episodes back. Um, but the conference was always, always, you know, when it was originally set up and the way it's always been run has been as an industry conference. And in fact, I worked for Ping a long time ago, but my involvement with the conference in the role that I, that I'm that I've been in for, gosh, eight years now. Um, actually has not been as an employee, uh, either of paying or in fact, a CRA, right? So I, I do this work externally and that helps to some extent, um, for us to, to kind of keep the agenda, uh, as, as clean as we reasonably can. Right. Um, and in fact, we've got a, a fairly rigorous process. I, I don't want to go so far as to say we're like an academic conference because we're really not, right? There's a whole much, much deeper sort of set of things that goes around um, the, the the academic conferences. But we do have a process of reviewing material that comes in through call for presentations and then reviewing that material before it gets published. Um, we've got a whole content committee, uh, a number of whom have been on board for a while, but... Um, you know, we refresh that on a on an ongoing basis as well, um, partly because, you know, frankly, people do it for a few years and they're like, I'm done. Thank you very much. Uh, but, you know, we also have new voices coming up. We have new technologies emerging. We have new markets to talk about. Um, so it's always been run that way. And, I, you know, I, I sort of hesitate to answer the question that you've asked as bluntly as I'm going to. Um, the question, you know, the initial question was, has anything changed? And kind of the answer is no, right? Deliberately so. Um, in fact, as you said, you know, the, the acquisition that CRA made last year um, was announced, I want to say, in December, January, in the run-up to the conference in June. And then... Um, Andre and uh, CRA's CEO, uh, Doug Manoni, actually stood on stage and had a conversation in front of everybody in the audience and kind of, you know, helped everybody understand sort of what the future was going to look like. Um, so we really haven't changed very much in terms of the basics of the event, right? The agenda is still constructed the same way. Uh, the expo floor still looks like the expo floor. The quality of the overall experience, which is something that's always been a, a focus for us, right? Uh, is is still very much the same. Having said all of that, the industry is growing, right? And we talked about this at the top of the show. The way that we need to talk about the industry is changing. The people that we need to talk to it about uh, is changing. Uh, technologies are changing. Um, and so it's the right thing for us to look at, okay, keeping the core as the core, what else do we need to do to start to grow in support of the industry that we serve, right? And so, yeah, there are going to be some things that will change a little bit. We're adding some stuff uh, into the agenda. 
we're starting that process this year, uh, and it will it will you know continue into into next year and the year after, uh, particularly around uh, you know some of the business side of things, some of the more strategic um, sort of stuff. In fact, CRA just uh, I want to say a few weeks ago, and I might be out by n weeks, but um, announced uh, a relationship, a strategic relationship with Liminal, um, the consulting firm. So Liminal, uh, amongst other things, used to run. Um, the No Identity Conference. Um, and so, uh, you know, CRA have, have developed a strategic relationship with Liminal. You'll see them around at the show. They've got, you know, some interesting perspectives um, to, to add to the to the overall kind of melting pot, um, which I think will be really interesting and really valuable. Um, I think there are other, you know, consulting firms, other vendors from not necessarily the core identity space that we'll start to see emerging. And again, a lot of that is reflective of what's happening in the industry, right? If you go out and look at, you know, where investment is flowing in the industry, you look at where some of the new technologies are coming. Um, yeah, there's absolutely movement in what you might consider sort of traditional, I'm doing air quotes, but traditional, um, you know, kind of kind of core IM technology. But there's also a bunch of stuff going on around the edges of that in, in some new areas, right? You look at some of the stuff that's happening from a, a verified entity perspective, um, you know, attribute exchanges, uh, all the regulatory stuff that's going around MDL uh, and in verified identity in a number of countries, uh, yeah. you know, the, the stuff that's flowing from that into things like wallets. Um, I We haven't, you know, that isn't, that isn't something that traditionally we think of as core IAM, right? Digital identity wallet. Oh, okay. But maybe it is something that we need to start thinking about. Um, so back to the original question, uh, not a lot has changed at a fundamental level. Um, the experience will still be much the same. Uh, different, better, like it is every year, right? Um, but we're starting to add some of that additional stuff around the edges, which I think will, will be really important for people. And then you actually asked a second question, Jeff, right at the end, which was, what's the experience for somebody that's coming new to the show? Uh, now, that's a hard one for me to answer because I haven't been new to the show for a really long time. Uh, but we spent a little bit of time last year um, talking to some folks who were new to the show. And, you know, when I say we... Me, a couple of folks on the content committee, some folks from ID Pro, some folks from Women and Identity, and we've got you know relationships with with those organisations as with many others. And one of the things I think that comes across is people find it incredibly valuable to have lots of names that they recognise from the industry, right? So we already talked about Ian, um, but. Vittoria Batocci, right? Or Brian Campbell or Eve Mailer or, you know, um, people whose names they've seen on specifications or that have stood up at other big conferences that they've heard about or they've read blogs or like, you know, that's fantastic. And they're there and they get to hear them. And in theory, they get to go and talk to them. And we all do, right? But it's a little intimidating if it's your first time. And some people are very comfortable with that and they wade in and they get to know folks and that's wonderful. But lots of people are not 
built that way. And in all honesty, I'm not, right? Like I like to have somebody introduce me to somebody else and then I can have a conversation with them. But it's taken a long time for me to get over that sort of walk into a room, there's 300 people there, there's someone whose name I recognize, but do I really want to go up and like start a conversation? That's hard. So one of the things that we're going to do this year in conjunction with ID Pro and with Weird is for those folks that are new to Identiverse, we're going to do a session right up front um, on, on the Tuesday, which is the day that we start um, before the, the main agenda starts, um, which is going to help kind of help people get more out of the week, help people navigate the week. Um it's not that it's a scary event to attend, right? It's really not. It's actually a very friendly event. The question is, okay, within that friendly, welcoming context, how do I get to talk to the people that I want to get to talk to? How do I figure out which things to attend? What are the tips and tricks for me to get the most out of that week, right? Um, I think the other thing I'd say for anyone that's coming to it new is it's a lot more than just a conference, right? So we talked about, obviously, big agenda, and it is a big agenda. We'll have somewhere between 150 and 200 speakers this year, which is a lot. Um, it moves fast, right? So you've got to kind of keep up with the day a little bit. Uh, we've got a big show floor. It'll be the biggest that we've ever had. Um, lots going on there as well, right? Uh, there's some some content that's going to be running around the edges of the of the trade show floor as well. So for those folks that need to understand sort of what's happening in, in the product landscape, there's there's all of that. And then there's all the other stuff that goes around it, right? So we've had lots of, of traditions at Identiverse for years, and some of them continue and some of them change. Um, but things like, you know, yoga and boot camp sessions in the morning, the welcome reception, which has some, you know, some stuff that goes on around it. Um, we've got, you know, the closing party, which traditionally has been, you know, one of the big focuses for the week. Um, and, and a whole variety of other uh, sort of activities that happen around the edge of the show. So I think for a lot of people that have maybe attended more, let's say, traditionally run conferences, yeah, we do that stuff, but there's other stuff too, right? Uh, and, and I think that's worth bearing in mind. And then, hey, we're in Vegas this year. So I, not my choice, but I am given to understand that some people like that experience. And so there's all of that to go explore as well, if you want to. I am a fan of Vegas. I, I feel like it's a very polarizing choice. Some people love Vegas. Some people hate Vegas. I don't know anybody who's in the middle. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, there, there's the two extremes out there. I'm a fan of it. I think it's, I think it's a great spot to have it. Um, one of the things that you mentioned there, and, and it just was, as you were talking, I was thinking, like, the conference seems fresh. And I think that's the most important part of putting together any sort of agenda, topic, speaker structure, you know, all the stuff that goes into this is how do you keep it fresh year over year over year? And I think that is the great slash fun slash hard thing about identity <laughs> is that things change a lot, even just within a year, right? Trends. Uh, you know, new technologies, new threats, right, that we have to be kind of be concerned about. And that freshness, I think, is something that, you know, every conference probably strives to inject into, you know, that is like, well, okay, well, I went last year, why should I go again this year? And maybe some people are on cycles, you know, I know, I know a couple of people who say, like, okay, well, I go like every two years or every three years to see what's going on. Um, I'm a fan of going to as many as I can. 
you know, that the content is great, but the thing that I find the most invaluable are the hallway conversations. I was at Gartner just a few weeks ago, and I don't think I was able to attend very many sessions. I hit a cute, I've hit a couple keynotes. I had a couple of sessions with like Becky and Enrique and stuff like that from a Gartner analyst side of things. And, and those were great, but I spent a lot of time just talking with people. And I think that's the one thing that I really appreciate about this identity space is people are very welcoming. So if you see people having a conversation, if you see people out there, it's like, Hey, there's Vittorio and his absolutely, you know, gorgeous mane. I want to go talk to him and find out what he's using for shampoo and conditioner, you know, go do it because people are cool, man. I mean, they're very receptive to, you know, walking up, introducing, et cetera, stuff like that. I feel like it's, I'm the same way. It's a little bit, you know, if you're more of an introvert, you kind of have to get out of that bubble and just walk up and say hello, which can be tough. And I get that. Find someone to make an introduction, you know, and I think that's, that's another area that's like, Hey, if you're going with somebody else, you know, there's strength in numbers, or maybe if you know somebody who's going to there, maybe they know someone and they can help make an introduction. I always find it really awkward when you like, you know, this is it. This actually happened at Authenticate last year in Seattle. Was Vittorio, Ian, and I think it was Dean, maybe from AWS. We're all kind of standing around, kind of talking. Like these are heavy hitters in the identity space. They do a lot of talk and uh, you know talks and, and presentations and like that. And I had kind of known you know Vittorio and Ian, but I didn't really know Dean so much. And I just kind of walked up and just kind of stood there awkwardly. It's like, oh, and I just kind of joined the conversation, <laughs> right? But it was cool, right? You know, that's not an opportunity that you get, especially when you are remote all the time or if you're not attending conferences. That to me is the most invaluable part. Yes, the content is good. Meet people, go talk with people, have conversations. I think there's a lot of value in that as well. Yeah, I think that's really good advice, Jeff. Um, and and I agree, right? Like I say, it's hard for me to judge Identiverse anymore only because I'm I'm, you know, I'm there as it were, and I've been there for a long time. But I, it is an incredibly welcoming industry. And it's it maybe feels a little disingenuous for you and I to be sitting here and, and we're we're throwing these names around, right? That people recognize. And yet it's worth saying that, you know, for all that we're involved in a pretty deep way in the industry, there are still lots of people that we don't know, right? And so it's not at all uncommon for me to have to, you know, to to have exactly the experience you just described of, oh wait, there's this person whose name I vaguely recognize who, I don't know, looks after identity regulation for the UK government, right? Okay, well, I should probably go get to know that person. And I have, I like, where do you start with that? Hi, I'm Andy, I run Identiverse. Okay, <laughs> like, you know, it's not obvious. Um, but it is an incredibly welcoming industry. Um, and I felt that from very early on. Like, I didn't, I didn't kind of grow up in this industry. Some people did, right? It was their first career out of school, and that's, and that's what they did. That wasn't my case at all. But, um, yeah, really, really welcoming industry. And I think your observation that it's a, a rapidly changing industry uh, it has been true and continues to be true. Um, in fact, so ID Pro for a number of years now has run a skills and program survey. Um, we added some, some diversity components to that uh, a few years ago as well. And really the purpose for that is to help help ID Pro, but also to help the industry understand what shape the professional industry is, right? Um, and honestly, nobody knew, right? Nobody had any idea. Well, how questions like 
how long does it take you to feel proficient, right? And uh, you can go and you know, kind of look at uh, the last four years, five years results on the Audi Pro website. But basically, the number of people that say, I still don't feel proficient. And if you correlate that with the folks who've been in the industry for a long time, you get this weird sort of inverted curve, right? Where people start off and they're in the industry one or two years and they're like, I don't feel proficient. And then you get folks in the middle who are like between, say, three and about seven or eight years who are like, I got this. And then you get the people that, you know, who've been in the industry for 10, 12, 14, 16 years who are like, no, I have no clue what's going on anymore. Um, and that has been true, right? Th those results have been pretty consistent for a number of years now. Um, in fact, we'll, occasionally at Identiverse, the ID Pro um, crowd has stood up and kind of talked about that in some detail. Um, this year we'll go through it. I think there's a couple of sessions where I'll go through it at a, at a slightly higher level um, and probably with a bit more reference to, you know, sort of what does the professional development journey look like and, and what are some ways to think about, you know, um, the, the way that we develop our our careers uh, in, in what is increasingly a, a sort of quote-unquote professionalized industry, right? Um, but I think there's some really, really interesting stuff in there. One of the other things that's interesting is the number of new people that are now emerging in the industry, right? Like, again, it's growing and it's growing very rapidly. And you talked about freshness. So one of the things that that we look at, um, and I talk about this on the main stage quite a lot at Identiverse, actually, but we we obviously look at, at inclusivity across the agenda. Um, and it's hard, right? It's hard in, in this industry as it is in any other Um we know that there are that there are challenges there, um, and we do our best to address them. I will say that I don't think we do as well as I would like us to, but I'm proud of the fact that at least we're trying, right? Um, one of and part of that is how do you define inclusiveness? And so for us, it's always been a very broad definition. And part of the reason I bring it up in this context is. One of the dimensions that we look at is the number of new voices across the speakers, right? The number of new voices versus the number of people who've spoken at Identiverse before. For exactly that reason, right? You want to hear from different people. And yeah, there's some added value there in terms of helping people, you know, have some career progression opportunities and demonstrate all the stuff that they can do and the rest of it. So we typically run somewhere between, you know, any given year, 40 to 60% of, of the, you know, overall speaker makeup is new speakers, new presenters to the conference. And that's been consistent now at least five years, uh, if not longer. Um, I personally, and I would say this, right, I think that's really important. Um, I would be fascinated to know what other people think, right? So, you know, if you're listening to this and you go to Identiverse and you get the little survey questionnaire afterwards, or, or even if you're in a session, right, do the in-session survey. It just asks, you know, like, did you enjoy the session or whatever? Um, but provide that feedback, right? Let us know because it, it's always that thing. It's not like we know any better than anybody else. And if, if, if we don't get the feedback from people about, yeah, this topic was good, this topic wasn't great, 
this presenter was clearly new and they need to find their voice, but they had some really interesting things to say. And that's the other thing I'd encourage is if you are giving feedback, well, there are ways to make it positive, right? Like you don't have to be grumpy in the survey feedback. <laughs> you suck. Get um, off stage. <laughs> you know, right? Like let's yeah. avoid that. But yeah. um, constructive criticism um, that's well-meant and well-intentioned, I think, is is incredibly helpful. Um, so I, I would really encourage people to kind of engage with that. Um, you know, if you are attending, let us know what you think. Um, that's super helpful. I love that idea. And I think, you know, be fair with that kind of thing. Getting on stage is not easy, right? You're putting yourself out there. Think about that, right, from your perspective. Like, you're sitting in the chair listening. You're not up on stage. <laughs> so maybe someday it'll be you. And I think that that feedback does help, right, is understanding. And yeah, maybe it is the first time, you know, you're you're hearing from somebody and, you know, maybe they knock out of the park. Maybe there's a couple of things to work on. That's cool. They took the step of getting on stage and putting themselves out there, which I think is the first step towards, yeah, keeping that freshness, keeping that 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 conversation live. I love the idea of having new speakers out there and you know kind of hearing it's out there because at some point, right, there's going to be a changing of the guard and it's a constant refresh in a cycle, right? At some point, there'll be new sort of, you know, leaders in the space that are out there, you know, giving opinions or coming up with new ways of doing things that I think people need to hear about. You and I were talking um maybe just a couple of days ago about, you know, who are some of these new speakers and maybe trying to get them on the show here making and you know, Andy, can you make an introduction for me and, and Jim, right, to go have a conversation, you know, with these folks and see if they'd be interested in being on the podcast and things like that. So, yeah, uh, I'm excited yeah, I, to give you that. I think that's a really fun idea and a really valuable idea. And, um, you know, maybe one of the things we're, we're now brainstorming live on the podcast, but, uh, you know, maybe that's one of the things that, <laughs> yeah. So maybe one of the things we do is, you know, I, you guys are going to be there in, in, in Vegas, um, in a couple of months time. Um, and yeah, you know, I could go through the agenda and try and say, well, you should go to this and this and this, but you guys are going to be there, right? So I would do a little bit of divide and conquer and go and go and listen, right? Go and see, well, you know, who, who's out there that's saying some stuff that's, you know, that's a different perspective, that's a different take that, you know, maybe is a couple of years into their career that, that you know, we, we need to hear from. Um, and uh, it's occurring to me that there may well be some folks, you know, listening to this who are in that group of, hey, this is my first identiverse. And like, oh, you know. Um, and so, yeah, the Come other thing the show. I'd say, We're friendly, I swear. <laughs> we take good care of people. <laughs> exactly. But actually, it's true, right? We get feedback. So like I say, we've got a process for this that's, that's again, not perfect, but reasonably well established over, over a number of years. Um Everything that gets presented in the main agenda goes through this, this content review process with the content committee. It actually goes through a two-step process, and it is absolutely designed to be a supportive, helpful, constructive pro process, right? It's not a case of, of the content committee trying to editorialize. Um, what we're trying to do is to make sure that speakers have as good an experience as they can. We had some really nice feedback last year. Um, this didn't come to me directly. It came through one of the content committee members. Um, but someone who actually is an experienced presenter, right? And they speak at conferences, fairly technical conferences around the world and have done for years. Um, and their commentary was, look, I have never had the amount of constructive feedback through a content review than I got at Identiverse to the extent that it actually led to some improvements in the specification that they were writing, right? Now, that isn't going to happen for everybody, but... Um, you know, folks that are new absolutely are going to get, you know, here's a way to think about 
constructing this material in a more effective way? Or have you considered putting a summary slide at the end because that'll help people remember what you said? Or, you know, sometimes it's the basic things. You've got a 20-minute presentation. Unless you are Ian Glazer, 121 slides is not going to work, right? <laughs> um, and And we can help with that. And there are lots of people even within the community who are willing to help. So if you happen to be a member of ID Pro, you know, I would reach out on the Slack channel there and say, hey, look, I'm I'm preparing my deck and I'd love to get some pointers. And people will help, right? They'll absolutely help. Um yeah. It's a it's a fun thing to be involved in is all I can say. Yeah, the creative process is is interesting. I think back to like our first episode of me in my basement with a very echoey microphone. And now here we are, the audio quality has gotten better. Has the content gotten better? I don't know. I feel like we've been relatively consistent, but we get feedback all the time. Too much banter up front. You took too long to get to the topic, right? You're talking about things that don't make sense, you know, to me. Maybe that makes sense to someone else, you know, and we take that out, you know, and I think that's part of that same process, right? Is you can get smarter over time. It's okay to evolve, adapt, iterate, right? Because a lot of times, and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm peeling back a little bit of the conference circuit tour is you develop, uh, you know, a talk or a presentation and you might give it, one, two, three, ten times, and you will take feedback as you go along the way to say, oh, okay, here's another way that I can kind of do this or make it more specific to the type of audience I'm going into. So, you know, it's 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 interesting to see the first time someone presents it and then to see it maybe a year or two later when they're presenting again at a different, you know, venue for people who maybe haven't seen it before and to see what's changed. And that's a result of that feedback they've probably gotten behind the scenes. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation, Jeff. And you're you're absolutely right. You know, the 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 way that talks evolve over time is is fascinating. And it actually leads me to a thought, which is, you know, for those people that do have the opportunity to do that, that's fantastic. Equally, if you're turning up at a conference and this is the first run, right? Whether it's Identiverse or any other conference, I would highly, highly, highly recommend finding a couple of friendlies. And doing a full run through of like properly presented, um, maybe even two or three times, just to help hone it a little bit, so that actually the first time you do it, and particularly if if presenting isn't a thing that you do on a regular basis, the first time you do it isn't the first time you did it. Um, and it's funny because I fell into exactly this trap, actually not with a presentation, but with a podcast. And it wasn't this one. It was uh, a different one that wasn't specifically focused on identity, but it was the first one that I'd ever done. And I assumed that given that I present and I do that, you know, like freely without notes and I make stuff up and it's fine because I know stuff and that's okay, right? And I'm used to it. And I just assumed that I could get on a podcast and it would be fine. And you know what? It's not. And so I learned, and this was what, like two years ago, so not a long time ago. This is recent. And I make notes now for podcasts of here are the things that I want to talk about, and here are some key facts that I don't want to forget halfway through. And then, you know, when Jeff asks me a question, I'm like, I'm going to make a note of that somewhere very quietly so that the sound doesn't come through the microphone. I'm learning, CJ. Thank you. Thank um, you. And, you know, so that I know that I can come back around to it later. And it 
it's a constant learning experience. And so again, for the, for the new people, I'd absolutely say, you know, even the folks that are standing up on that big stage at Identiverse or Gartner or, you know, RSA, whatever it is, everybody is still learning how to get better at this, right? Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point there too, about the rehearse it, right? Understand it, know the content. Here's my pro tip. Don't read a slide. <laughs> There's nothing worse than being than having a slide full of text and you're literally just reading it to the person. I could have done that. Yep. I think the challenge for a lot of people is when they're finding their voice is not being afraid to let their personality show. Be dynamic, right? Let some of your personality go through. Yeah, identity, you know, maybe not be the most exciting topic in the world. I hate to say it, but there are ways to still make it entertaining, engaging, you know. You don't want to be the monotone voice saying everything in the same tone and just kind of reading a voice, right? A robot, that kind of thing is take a moment, right? You don't have to fill dead air, right? You can have thoughtful pauses as you're going through the conversation. So I know it's a skill. I mean, you mentioned, you know, taking notes. We do that for all of our shows here is we, we put together sort of, here's the idea for the topic and let's come up with like three to five questions so that Jim and I don't ramble you know, too far off the beaten path. Sometimes we do. Sometimes Jim goes a downer path <laughs> and I have to pull him back to the light. Like, come on, let's go, let's, let's bring it back up. Um, but you know, that's, that's just part of the process. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a great idea is to make sure if, especially if it's your first time presenting this year, if you're listening to this, I'd be happy to listen to it, you know, feel free. I, you know, I, we do that for our friends and, you know, everybody in identity space that I come across has been very friendly. I'm happy to do that too. So, um, I want to shift gears a little bit because you mentioned a couple things like women in identity and ID pro. Um, it seems to me that ID pro has sort of made Identiverse sort of the home conference for them. And I wonder about, you know, relationships between some of these organizations like women in identity, like ID pro, like others, what is though, what is that type of relationship with the conference itself? Is there influence on what are some of the tracks or topics you know, are there events maybe that get kind of set aside, you know, for, for some of those folks, those types of things? Yeah, that was a thoughtful pause just then, folks. Um, so, yeah, I, we do. Um, we absolutely have those relationships with a number of organizations. And I think the nature of those relationships to some degree mm, dictates is maybe not the right word, but influences, you know, what what the impact is. So, We'll start with ID Pro, uh, just because I think you started with it, so I'll start with it. Um, ID Pro, and it was founded in, uh, well, a little bit before 2017, but it was the 2017 conference, which was in, he says, racking his brains, uh, I want to say Chicago. Chicago, yep. Good. I'm glad, so glad I got that right. You have no idea. <laughs> Ian it's and like, Sarah, very happy with you right now. That was not one of the things I wrote down in, in advance. <laughs> Um, yeah, so in Chicago, and we actually announced, um, you know, the, the the formation of ID Pro as a standalone nonprofit entity, um, you know, on the main stage. And one of the things that we announced at that time was that Identiverse was the home show for ID Pro, and that's been true ever since. Now, some of that with 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 an ID Pro hat on at the time um, was a little bit self serving in the sense that look, there's this big conference that most of the identity professionals go to, so why would we go and make another one? <laughs> like, here it is. Um, but what we've done over time is slightly formalized that relationship. And so, yeah, there has been for a number of years now a, a, a professional development sort of topic area or track at the show 
um, which really focuses on more of the soft skills. So we've had topics like, like we mentioned at the top of the show, right? How do I pitch my project? How do I get budget? How do I manage a team? How do I hire in an inclusive way, right? How do I deal with stress uh, in, you know, instant response is actually one of the talks this year, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, if those it's just sorts a, I, of... That, that stress one, I started to interrupt, but I hope that whoever's bringing that just has like a picture of a liquor bottle and like, all right, talk over it. And it's like 30 seconds. And then it's like, oh, just kidding. Like, here's more things. But I think that would be a hilarious way to open that up. But I digress. Please continue. No, that's fine. Uh, you you digress as much as you like, Jeff, anytime. Um, yeah, so, so that um, is a topic area that is kind of curated within the overall construct of the show, but is, is, is curated and assisted by, uh, folks, you know, within ID pro. Um, and then, you know, typically there'll be, um, you know, some material up the front of the show. So there's the introduction to identity that we've run for a long time. We get an interesting mix of people in that one. We get people who are just starting their careers and we also get, you know, the, the, 15-year-old sort of um, expert kind of folks, um, the curmudgeons sitting in the back. Uh, <laughs> I think we were talking about us. <laughs> de- desperately trying to catch up or uh, or just want to heckle. So that one's always fun to go to, right? But actually, I, I mean, personally, I, I always find it useful. I, I really get to go to these things, so I, I get to see all this stuff in review up front. But um, I always find that one incredibly useful because it reminds me of you know, bits of the industry that, that maybe I'm not directly involved in right now that I've forgotten about. And it also keeps me up to date usually with some new stuff that's coming along just, just enough so that, you know, I know enough to be dangerous, right. Which for me is, is perfect. Um, and then there's quite often a social event as well, right? So uh, ID, will, I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but I expect that ID Pro will probably have some kind of happy hour or gathering, whether it's formal or informal, there will be a thing uh, that coalesces, right? In fact, I talked about the um, the, the sort of you know, newcomers um, session um, that we're going to do this year. That emerged uh, in part... Uh, from the conversations that we had and the and the learning, the feedback that we took, but it also emerged in part from a grassroots effort that took place last year um, when we were in Denver, when ID Pro kind of went, hey, you know, we think there's a bunch of new people here. We should try and get together some kind of, you know, newcomers breakfast. It's very last minute, very community-driven effort, you know, really good that it happened. And so sort of, you know, it's nice to be able to take that and evolve it a little bit and wrap it into the show. Women and identity are going to help us with that as well this year. Um, and so, you know, that brings me to WID, right? We've had a close relationship with WID for a long time. That relationship tends to be a little bit uh, less sort of formally built into the agenda. And some of that is reflective of, of you know, the differences between, between those two organizations. But, um, you know, we'll quite often have conversations with WID about, look, you know, are there particular speakers we can, we can bring in? Um, They've done quite a lot of work on uh, some of the inclusivity impact of the identity systems that we build, right? So this isn't about the hiring question or the professional development question. It's about the um, availability of the systems that we've created to 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 allow you know access for everybody. Um, and so we've you know we've had sessions on that material in the past and. and there will be similar um, work going on this year, I imagine, Identiverse as well. Um, 
The other thing that we've done with both organizations that we did up front this year um, is we did a session, uh, in this case, specifically aimed at women, um, and it was reasonably successful. And so I'm considering whether there are ways we can extend that going into next year um, about, okay, how do you put a proposal into a CFP? Um, Because if you've never done that before, that can be a little bit daunting. and. It's my least favorite part. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's it's not easy. I mean, I, I put proposals in on my own behalf to other conferences, I won't name them, uh, on a fairly regular basis. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's nerve-wracking. It's like, is this going to work? Am I doing the right things? Have I answered the right questions the right way? Have I, have I optimized my chances of being selected, right? And, is a human reading it or is some AI sorting oh, it? Oh, <laughs> just don't. Uh, uh, we can get into that conversation a bit. But... You know, it's it's tough, right? And so we thought, well, look, and, and this uh, was an initiative that really came out of, of, of ID Pro and Weird together saying, look, you know, we'd like to try and do something that's that's aimed at that audience. And so let's, you know, let's put something together. Let's do a presentation. Let's try and see if we can improve that experience. Like I say, this year, particularly for, for, um, for women wanting to put proposals in. Um, and then we'll look and see if there are ways that we can extend that going to next year. Now, um, there are, of course, plenty of other both industry associations and professional organizations that we have varying degrees of relationship with, and the way that they get embedded into the event um, then you know varies depending on who they are, how they operate, what their you know relationship with the industry is, what their relationship with the show is, all of those things, right? So, and that ranges from you know the the, the sort of obvious standards. Um, or, or at least technical organizations like FIDO, like OIDF, like Kantara, um, like OIX, and so on. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the IDSA, which is a little different, but again, um, you know, very involved, very present in the industry. Um, I think every single one of those organizations is going to be at Identiverse this year. But more importantly, we engage with them, not just for the conference, but actually right through the planning process through the year. And that some of those conversations is what then helps inform, right, what do we need to be thinking about in the agenda? What are we looking for in the CFP? Are there some things that that just don't have a place to live in the way that we currently construct the agenda that we need to add or extend or, or consider for the main stage in some way? Because they don't they're, they're not there yet, but we need to get there over time kind of thing. Um, so I, like I say, it, it's, it's flexible and varied. Um, and I think there are other organizations that will increasingly start to build relationships with. In fact, um, you know, we, we talked, actually, we didn't talk about professional, um, certifications, right? So that's obviously a, a, a space that ID Pro is increasingly playing in, but lots of people in this area have got, uh, one of the ISC squared, um, certifications, right? Lots of people have one of the privacy ones from the IEPP. Um, so actually, Claire Rosso, who's the um, the CEO, the executive director over at ISC Squared, is going to be on the stage this year um, and, you know, talking uh, a little bit about some of her perspectives uh, in, in, con- in connection with that, you know, what does a chief identity officer look like conversation, right? So I think that'll be really interesting to get that perspective. Um, we've got a number of folks involved, both on the committee uh, and in the agenda, who've got privacy qualifications. In fact, I do. Um, 
And so I expect that that's a relationship that, that will continue to develop with the IAPP over time. Um, we've had, you know, I, I sort of, I, I made a note that I then ignored uh, up front to say, and I, I will now say it, which is I was slightly hesitant to start naming organizations because I'm bound to forget somebody, right? Yeah. So it's a it's it, a it's a hazard you know, of the of the of the medium, right? <laughs> it, it it is, you know, it's a little bit like the Oscars acceptance speech, isn't it? Um, but it, that's what we try and do, right? It's a it's a big tent. Everybody is welcome. Um, and then from an agenda standpoint and a sort of strategic direction for the show standpoint. We try, and I say we, you know, the advisory board and the content committee try and garner as much input as we can from all of those sources, whether I named them or not, um, to try and make sure that we are as directionally representative as we can be, whilst recognizing that we've only got four days <laughs> and it's not possible to run the thing for 24 hours. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of limiting, but uh, we we try. Maybe that's the next big idea: some sort of like identity circus or theme park or something. It's open year round. All the vendors from everywhere are there. Everybody can kind of come and go as as they please. I imagine it'd be maybe uh, maybe it's you know a VR theme park of some sort. I don't know. Perhaps that'll be I mean, our primary topic for next year: the identity circus. I can I can <laughs> see it now. Um, the last time we talked Identiverse was with you was episode 149. And we asked you a question. What's the difference between digital identity and IAM? And that spawned into one of our most, I don't know, fun slash controversial slash, I don't know what to call it, episodes, which is episode 51, where we hit, we, we took that question and we asked a whole bunch of people, uh, you know, a lot of the people who are listeners of the show, you know, kind of names the industry, that kind of thing. What is the difference between digital identity and identity and access management? And we got a whole bunch of different answers. And you know, I want to give credit creditors due. It started here when a conversation with Andy. And you know, what does that mean? I'm curious, how do you define the two now that we're a year later? And I don't know if you've had a chance to go back and you know listen and what other people have said. You tell me, since you're the one who started this problem, <laughs> what is the difference between digital identity and identity and access management? There's another thoughtful pause there for Indeed, everyone. Well done. Um, thank you. <laughs> I'm good at that. It's just don't say anything for a minute. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, for one, I'm kind of amused about. I don't know whether to be amused or gratified or embarrassed that I seem to have started a thing. I, I didn't necessarily mean to start a thing, but um, I I don't think that my perspective has necessarily changed. Right. So I saw some of the back and forth about this. And I take, as ever, being British, I take, I think everybody's right, right? Um, but I do think that there is a breadth that is emerging to the industry um, that I don't think we've necessarily thought about before, right? So for me, IAM tends to be focused on what I would call a set of infrastructure capabilities, right? And I say that uh, absolutely in a broad and positive sense, right? Um, it encompasses all sorts of things like 
authorization, authentication, and federation, and SSO, and WAM, and you know, uh, what didn't I just say? Provisioning and IGA and all of those things, right? What's emerging again from my point of view, in my perspective, is that there's a whole bunch of stuff around the the identity verification, identity, you know, trusted attributes. I'm going to say trust frameworks. I don't know if we're playing a drinking game yet, but um, that feels to me like it's going to replace blockchain as being a thing where you have to take a drink every time somebody says it, right? Trust framework, <laughs> off we go. Um, but, you know, it's it's a thing and they have value and schemes and all of those sorts of things. You look at what's happening with MDL, you look at what's happening with, uh, you know, the the wallets, Sorry, that's this is hard to say as words as opposed to having it sort of written down so you can see where the apostrophe is. So the various wallet initiatives, there we go. Um, and a lot of that is not stuff that would traditionally fall into the 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 scope, the ambit of IAM, right? In my mind. Digital identity is a little broader than that. And I think it's increasingly important for us as identity professionals to recognize that. And back to a, an observation that you made, you know, towards the top of the show, Jeff, which is understanding that we need to increasingly talk to people and engage with people who do not have identity as a background or even don't have a technical background, right? And help them understand where we fit into their world, right? That's the shift that I think needs to happen. In fact, I've been involved in a project in with my, you know, me as a consultant hat on um, for the last, I want to say, three months or so. Um, and it's one of those things where predictably I can't talk about the details. I'm going to have to hand wave virtually and and orally uh, around uh, some of the topics. But, you know, essentially a project to help some folks, you know, kind of understand where some of these, these broader scale um, digital identity initiatives, um, you know, verified identity, all of that kind of thing is, is going to fit into their world. And had lots of great conversations with the technical folks and that was fine. And then we got a couple of folks in the room who did not come from a technical background, didn't come from an identity background in particular, smart people, but they hear a word like, you know, authentication. And the user arrived at the site and they authenticated. And in their head, what that means is that the service provider knew who the person was. Now, we know, he says, gesticulating wildly at Jeff on the screen, we know that that isn't what authentication means. But we're increasingly having to be very clear when we go talk to people about what it does mean. And so I think for me, that's really what this is about, is digital identity is now broader than just the infrastructure. It's a whole bunch of new things and a whole bunch of new audiences that we got to go and engage with. And I think we need to recognize that. 
understanding the context and the audience, I think, is a big part of that conversation. I've noticed a shift in just the way that you know, I, even I talk about identity management over the last few years where I felt like a few years ago, you could be maybe a little looser with your language. Okay, we're kind of talking about this thing and, you know, it's kind of nebulous and we're kind of that. I find myself having to be a lot more precise with my language based on who I'm talking to. Because if I if I say, okay, well, yes, they authenticated and I'm talking to a technical person, well, how'd it happen? What did they do? What were their factors? Blah, 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 blah right? If I'm talking to a CIO or an executive or someone without, you know, that, that kind of context background, they probably don't care, right? They don't. Was it secure? Did it happen? Was the customer, was the employee happy where they got through that? Great. <laughs> right. I don't need to go into the details on that side. So I have seen that, that, that shift over the years. Um, you mentioned authenticate, authentication, and I want to start to wrap things up here because you've been really generous with your time. Um, I feel like we've solved authentication. We fixed it. We're done. Pass keys are a thing. Fido has done a great job of getting all the major players on. We don't have to worry about it anymore. So what I'm thinking next is what is our next thought-provoking conversation? Very much along the lines of, you know, the difference between digital identity and identity access management. So what is something that you're thinking about, like from a next perspective that we should be asking the questions? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, authentication is dead. Long live authentication. Um <laughs> so so look, I I I take your point absolutely, right? I think um, you know, in fairness, yeah. There's a lot that we've quote unquote solved authentication, getting it deployed, getting it out there, getting people to use these new systems and be comfortable with them is a journey, right? I'm not great at predictions. Uh, it's one of the reasons why going to Vegas doesn't really work for me because I am not going to be gambling, but- But the food um, is good. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but- uh, it's at least, in my view, a five-year problem, if not more, right? So, and I think it's also fair to say that there are still lots of conversations going on about some of the details underneath things like passkey, right? Where, okay, yeah, for this 80% use case, it's great. Here's a 20% use case that actually kind of matters because it's in a regulated industry and how do we deal with that? And what does the user experience look like? What does the user experience look like if you're you know, on a, an old device versus one of these shiny new things, you know, um, what's the user experience if you drop your phone in your beer, you know, that kind of thing, right? So there's a lot still to be done. But I do get... Suspiciously specific example, Andy. I mean, well, it's never happened to me, but I've seen it happen to other people. <laughs> You've heard um, about it, right, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot still to talk about there. And in fact, we've got you know, as it happens. Um, and honestly, uh, dear listener, this was not a fed question, right? But we do have a number of sessions on exactly those topics at Identiverse. Having said all of that, um, I think a shift that I think, and I think a number of people on the content committee thought that we'd started to see, not just in the call for presentations, but actually in some of the conversations that we're having around the edges of stuff, is that... Um, Authorization, which has been, and I hesitate to say this and get a bunch of people bent out of shape, but a little static for a while, right? Um, I think we're starting to see a sudden, mm, sudden's not the right word, uh, a gradual but increasing um, focus on that area, right? 
it's almost as if now I've figured out good ways and safe ways to get people in the front door. Now I've got that put to bed. Let me make sure that they can only get into their own hotel room, he says, stretching the analogy to breaking point and not into anybody else's, right? Um, I think there's some interesting activity going on there. I think there's a bunch of interesting questions to be asked, maybe at a standards level, but particularly at a product level around how do we integrate things like verifiable credentials into those flows. Um, there's some real thinking that needs to get done there. And the other one that's come up in, in that regard is some of the mm, more challenging use cases around delegation with real world identity, right? So, um, in a lot of places, a lot of countries around the world, we've now got a bunch of stuff going on with uh, age estimation, age verification, right? Um, very sensible, very good, very fine. Uh, but a lot of the legislation and the regulation that's being developed, quite understandably, has sort of slightly shied away from the complexities of uh I'm a, say, parent or guardian managing this access on behalf of a child who is of age XYZ, right? How does that... Now, these are questions that we've been talking about in the industry for a long time, but back to the, the previous sort of segment of conversation, not everybody else has, right? Um, and so it turns out that there's a little bit of education that we probably need to do, but there's also probably some things that we haven't thought about or that aren't yet baked into the technology. And I think that's really going to hit us, um, particularly in, in that authorization space. So, I mean, that's where it gets critical. Um, so there's, right, for me, I think that's going to be really interesting getting into, into next year. I agree. I think this is another universal topic, right? Everybody struggled with authentication. Is it fixed? No, I was being kind of tongue in cheek before, but it's getting better, right? We're starting to see really significant progress in making it a better, more secure user experience. Um, the authorization is another one that a lot of organizations struggle with. I don't know how many companies that I talk to that are like, oh yeah, we're trying to do role-based access control. Oh my gosh. Okay. Congratulations, and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it is very difficult to do that. And you, we've seen a whole bunch of these, like, you know, X, B, A, C, right? Roll R back, A back, P back. Uh, I don't know. There's probably a, a, a one for each kind of back that's out there. Now we're standing to see things like zero standing privileges, right? All this is doing with authorizations and things like that. So I think it'll be interesting to, to see how the market, the industry, and sort of the thinking around this starts to fine tune that I love that analogy, right? We've got him in the front door. I'll, I'll take it instead of the hotel. Like, okay, now we've got him in the house. How do we make sure they're not going into my medicine cabinet, yeah. <laughs> right? Or going yeah. to the liquor cabinet, or if they are allowed, you know, can they get into that sorts of thing? So I think that's mm -hmm. really kind of the natural evolution of that. Um, all right, we're running over an hour now, but I want to, I want to end on a lighter note. And here's my question for you. This is not indicative of our, our guest anyway, shape or form, but let's just pretend. You are a thief that steals only things that cause a minor inconvenience to your victims. What do you steal? So this isn't, we're talking, we're not talking like grand theft, you know, homicide, <laughs> nothing like that. It's got to be something that's very, you know, um, 
very inconveniencing. It's like, oh, that's super annoying. What, what's the thing that you steal? This is Jeff trying to end on a lighter note, folks. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, who that's, that's an interesting one. Um, I think I can think of all sorts of things, but I think the one that would, that's small, but would irk me. Certainly I have run into this, not, not through theft, but through, uh, let's call it user error. So if you're a, if you're a MacBook user, um, you may remember, or in fact have yet again, the wonderful, uh, MagSafe power connector. And they switched from like a four pin to a six pin or a six pin to, if I can't remember which way around it was. And you could get this fantastic little adapter, right? That solved all your problems. It meant that you could use the old charger with the new thing. Yeah, I would steal that. You've, you found the, uh, the, the, the gaping hole in the armor of the Mac world and, and dongle life is, as we like to call it. I think that's a good one. You know, I thought about this question myself as kind of sitting here recording and you know, I think of things like, you know, stealing someone's chapstick. Um, I'm thinking of something a little more nefarious and very specific. I'm going to take a couple pieces of a Lego or a puzzle set or something like that, that you cannot finish whatever it is you're trying to build without that's, that piece. That's <laughs> evil. That would see. And, and the worst thing about that is I actually know how to solve for it as well, which would require <laughs> me to go buy a 3D printer, right? Exactly. Like, that's just, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. How many people have come across, right? You're, you're, you're doing a puzzle, you're playing a game or something, right? And there's just that one piece missing or two or three. Yeah. And here's the thing is I wouldn't take the last piece. I would take like the, the piece that's like five or six away from the end. And really make it devious. That's the way I would do it. Yeah, no, that's 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 Machiavellian, I think, in its quality, Jeff. Well, thank well you, done. thank you very much. I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> and hey, um, it's not every day that I get to use the word Machiavellian. So this is true. I think that might be the first time actually on the show. So that'll be a, uh, a tidbit for Jeopardy when we're we're on the when we become a Jeopardy uh, question at some point in the future. Um, Andy, you've been really great with your time. I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Identiverse is coming up. May 30th to June 2nd. It's at the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. I will be there. And you'll be there. Jim theoretically will be there. <laughs> so um, we're hopeful, you know, come on up, introduce yourselves. You know, we'd love to, to engage the folks out there and, and, and talk and just have a conversation about whatever. It can be about identity or it can be about, you know, my terrible uh, stealing of, of Lego and puzzle pieces that would really, you know, piss people off. Um, don't forget about our Identiverse registration code, the discount, 20% off. It's IDV-ICEN23. It'll be on our show notes. You can always reference there. Thank you again, Andy and CRA, for hooking us up with that and hooking our listeners up with that. So hopefully people are able to take advantage of that. Uh, we'll have links to Identiverse.com in our show notes, HindleConsulting.com, uh, connecting with Andy on LinkedIn, and obviously you can connect with Jim and I whenever you want. Uh, we're on the web, idacpodcast.com. We're on Twitter at idacpodcasts. We're on Mastodon even at idacpodcast at infosec.exchange. So don't forget to check us out there and be sure to like, subscribe, write a review. All that stuff totally helps us uh, and really keeps us encouraged to keep putting out content. Real quick question for Andy. What are your thoughts on Mastodon? Are you on Mastodon yet? I am. I have just like two days ago set myself up. Do not ask me what my thing <laughs> is. I'll give it to you afterwards and you can stick it in the in the show notes. Uh, I honestly can't remember. But yes, I am. Uh, I think, you know, 
it's it seems like a healthy place to be for now. Um, I'll be honest and say my you know I'm not a huge social media person, right? I do LinkedIn a little bit um, more than anything else, but yeah. Uh, I'm there. I know lots of people uh, are as well. So um, yes, I shall. I shall look you up, and we can we can connect and toot at each other, <laughs> or whatever See? it's called. Or it is a very it is. weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the the difficulty in remembering name. That's my biggest problem with Macedon. Is is I don't feel like it's a very user friendly experience. You have to know not only now the you know the name, but which server are you on. It just makes it you know another another problem to be solved at some point anyway okay uh there i go digressing again all right we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up thank you very much andy for being a special guest co-host with me this week uh we'll have jim back on in the future don't worry he's not going anywhere uh he's just on assignment uh so thanks for listening and we'll talk with everyone in the next one thanks everyone bye you've been listening to identity at the center We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at identityatthecenter.com and find us on Twitter at IDAC Podcast. See you next time on Identity at the Center.